Life Happens with Pimelo Mutine. Pimelo Mutine on SAFM. On SAFM. All right, an organization called WISE for Africa is an advocacy organization and social enterprise on innovative solutions to prevent and address challenges in advancing women's safety from gender-based violence and overall oppression from patriarchy. It sounds like a big thing, but we've been talking about this for a while now. And so the whole point of all of this is you know, to see if there's any movement, to see what needs to be done, to change a narrative, to shift. I mean, just now we're speaking about Tsarofa um, Zopule's case. I mean, I'm just looking at this image on, 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 on the screen and I'm thinking that's, that's, that's someone's child. That, that young man is someone's child who bought somebody else off to kill another person's child. It's absolutely bizarre to me. Onika Makwakwa is a co-director of, of WISE for Africa on the line with us this afternoon. Onika, thank you so much for making the time to talk to us. Good afternoon. Good afternoon and thank you so much for having me. Um, you're running a campaign at the moment called Hashtag Believe Her, Believe Her Campaign. Talk to me about that campaign. Yes. Uh, you know, our focus has always been around uh, solutions and not just reacting to when things have happened. Mm. So the Believe Her campaign is really born out of the concern that uh, over 60% of sexual assaults in this country go unreported. And at the crux of why women are not able to or afraid to report sexual violations is because we have a rape culture uh, that is really centered around not believing victims and survivors when they tell us that they've been violated. So we started this campaign to say, uh, when someone tells you that they've been violated, the best we can do as South Africa is to start by believing them. Hashtag believe her. Believe that she's telling the truth. And, uh, you know, let us take the pledge as a nation to start by believing victims. So we can change the statistic of over 60% unreported rates because it means that there's more perpetrators who are walking around our neighborhoods unaccountable um, and there is greater uh, safety risk for all of us <laughs> when uh, perpetrators are not accountable for their behavior. Onika, let's, let's talk about the elephant in the room. And the elephant in the room is that part of the reason why people don't believe somebody is that oftentimes even those who go and take the risk and go through the system and go the legal route, th- there is unfortunately the the conviction rate is very low. Mm-hmm. And so, the, you know, even though you want to believe somebody post that, everybody will say, yes, but I was acquitted by the court. Do you see what I'm saying? So we've got yeah. that problem where... Even mm-hmm. in the legal system, because you spoke about a, a, a country with a lot of patriarchal problems, it, it, it carries itself through, even through in the legal system too. Yes, absolutely. And actually, that's one of the things we are beginning to address with a lot of the cases. Mm. So part of the challenge has been that, you know, a, a rape case is basically a state crime. Mm. So it's led by the prosecutor mm. and, and, you know, you don't have, you as a victim are not, defended by a private lawyer, for example, as opposed to the defendant. Mm. So one of the things that we have been doing has been, uh, as wise for Africa, we have been joining uh, litigation. Mm. 
mm. against um, the perpetrator. So we, we file to become friend of the court. Mm-hmm. We file watching briefs because it's really important also for the prosecutors mm. to know that civil society is there watching mm. and, 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 and having a public interest sure. in the case. Onika, I want you to repeat that because I think it, that penny is going to drop for many people to say that this is why people say those with money are able to get away with it because they can pay for the expertise that will oftentimes be a bit more superior than the state prosecutor. Absolutely. I mean, it it really is is unfortunate that that's uh, where we are. But we have to remember that in this country, all of us have a constitutional right to safety. Mm. And so that's really how we enter the courts is, you know, with that belief that women also have to enjoy this constitutional right to safety. And therefore, we are there to escalate cases. If, if people say, I've reported, I got a case number and I've never had anything mm. since then, we are more than happy to escalate those cases with the police commission. Oh, Anika, I think your line is deteriorating on us. Are you still there? Okay, let's try and get a, a quick break and then we'll sort that line out in a, in a moment. Life Happens with Pimelo Mutine on SAFM, leading the conversation. Onika Makwakwa is a co-director of Wise for Africa. They are an advocacy organization and social enterprise on innovative solutions to prevent and address challenges in dealing with gender-based violence. And I love the innovation uh, solutions there because I'm going to ask Onika, one of the things we've just been talking about is litigation and, and how do we get around that? So Onika, now that we know that it becomes quite tricky when... A person and a victim is reliant on state prosecution and, and sometimes is, is weaker than the private, um, very expensive senior counsel, perhaps, that is uh, that has been, uh, um, uh, you know, taken on by the perpetrator. What, what, other, what other things can we do as a deterrent? What recourse does a victim have? What do we sue the person? What can be done? Actually, we've taken up some cases uh, on civil uh, uh, matter as, mm. as civil matters. Mm. So yes, there is. I mean, the, the standard of the burden of proof in a civil court is very different than in a criminal yes, case. Yeah. In the civil court, it's about probability. Yeah. You know, is it possible that this person could have done this? And and that's a much lower standard. Mm than in the criminal court. Mm. So we, we actually have a few cases that we hope we'll be able to hear some rulings on. We also joined, remember the, the case that went to Constitutional Court uh, of Endikawa, who sued the police for negligence in uh, in terms of uh, them assisting with a rape case. Uh, so we were at Constitutional Court about two weeks ago. We are now waiting for the judgment of the Constitutional uh, court judges and all of those are really important uh, processes because they they uh, give us precedence uh, so that now we know that we can hold police accountable for conducting proper investigations for you know turning all uh, opportunities uh, turning every stone to make sure that they are there to protect us and they are there to properly investigate and present a tight case to the prosecutor that is winnable. We've had a similar experience uh, that all of everyone is talking about in the past couple of weeks 
where uh, the DJs basically announced to the nation that they've been acquitted, which is an incorrect term to use, right? It's basically a prosecutor saying, I'm not able to use this evidence to go to court because I don't think I can win. Therefore, we are dropping this case. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What we have subsequently done has been to file a complaint against the police conduct mm-hmm. in the collection of that evidence. We've mm. gone through the information. We've actually met with the police. We were, They missed their deadline, I believe. They were supposed to give us uh, a report of their investigation yesterday. So later today, we are going to publish what our findings were since they have not you know, taken the opportunity to respond uh, accordingly. And we will so, then pursue to the next level in terms of filing that official complaint against specific detectives that, um, you know, uh, uh, breached certain uh, practices in terms of both protecting the victim. We all know that even as of last week, the victims, this past weekend, the victim's phone number was uh, published on Twitter. She's now receiving death threats and all kinds of other threats from trolls, basically. Um, and this is all an orchestrated uh, part of uh, victimizing uh, people who come up with, uh, you know, who, who open charges and are bold enough to say, I have been violated in this way. And we, we have to hold everyone accountable, both the perpetrators as well as the officials that are in place to assist women in this journey. So, so Anika, the report you're referring to is a report on what? On, on, on how the police and the detectives conducted the actual investigation? Is that is that what you're going to be publishing? Yes, we are. In fact, one of the things I think you've seen it on Twitter is the fact that the victim herself only found out about the case being acquitted via social media because the, the contact was directly to the accused perpetrators and then they you know, went on social media to announce that they've been acquitted. However, the problem with that is that we have a victim uh, uh, bill in this country that is supposed to, uh, where where officers are supposed to be victim-centered in conducting these investigations. So there is no reason why, um, in fact, under this bill, that this woman would find out externally that the case has been dropped if we indeed have victim-centered investigations. But, but Olika, also, the, 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 the issue here is that it, it remains a bail. It's not an act, is it? Yeah, it, uh, it actually is. Um, it's an act. Actually, an act. the victim empowerment uh, bill mm-hmm. is actually in, in place. But also the other issue has been the release of a private contact information. Yes, no, no, no. I I, I, I don't dispute what you're saying. I I want us to be able to use absolutely everything at our disposal to protect these victims. Because often you would hear, yes, but you know that that's that's a wish list. It's not something that we can do anything with. So I was just checking. You you referred to it as a bill, and I was wondering. Yes, the victim empowerment uh, is is a law that actually uh, guides even. Uh, you know, how DSD con- uh, provides services to victims mm-hmm. and uh, survivors. And, uh, and what was meant to be the conduct on the, on the side of the detectives? Uh, well, I, well, I mean, I know you're not going to give yes. us everything now, but no, you just I, made... I, I can give you the simple stuff that's sure. been in the public domain. Sure. One, we don't expect a news outlet to have been given an affidavit statement of the victim mm. for them to publish externally. Okay. Because if if these newspapers have access to it and the accused have access to it, then how is the victim protected in this case? Hmm. You know? Uh, So it it just absolutely does not make sense. No one has been willing to state how um, he 
he actually got access to this uh, document, but and then ultimately the news outlets have had access to this document. We we want to be able to encourage women to go and report. Um, so yes, we worry about the public not not believing them, mm. but we shouldn't have to also worry about the police sharing the details of the victim, including phone numbers potentially, if if that's how it was linked uh, with. Uh, accused perpetrators as well, because that's a safety issue. You're making reference to one case, but there are many, many cases many, out there. Yes. And, and I wonder to what extent are these advocacy groups, including yourselves, collaborating in some of these very complex cases? Yeah, no, we absolutely, I mean, on the Andy Kawa case, we're not the only CSO that joined. We, we just, it's just that, you know, it's so costly mm. to mount these, you mm. know, to get advocates to argue mm. for us in front of the position court. Mm. So it, we ended up with just two that were able to join the case and, and argue in front of the court. But we certainly, uh, you know, collaborate with other uh, organizations. One of the things that has become quite clear for us is that even though we focus on access to justice, that most of the time we have to make sure that the victim slash survivor mm. is emotionally ready mm. for what's going to happen in court. So we have to be able to refer out for psychosocial therapy from time to time. So we are not using lawyers' times uh, to counsel the, the the victim, you know, the lawyers need to focus on the legal papers for the most part, and then we can partner with organizations that offer psychosocial therapy uh, to make sure that um, you know the complainant is emotionally ready for the fight. And it, it's a brutal fight. I think we are seeing with uh, the mm. woman that's in the public right now that I mean, literally everything is being thrown at her. So, you know, let me ask you a layman's question. I'm, I'm startled by what you were saying to say that, you know, it's expensive and I get the fact that it's expensive. But for a country that is said to be really trying to fight with gender-based violence, I'm not seeing anybody coming to say, okay, I'll do this for pro bono. You know, it's very weird for me. You know, I'm not saying they must take on all the yeah. cases, but I'm I'm just startled at what people say and how they actually are willing to really do the work it's it that there's there's a disconnect there somehow yeah no and it absolutely i mean i think so part of the thing for us at wise i mean when we initially started the organization we we literally uh either do this work completely for free or for far less than what we normally would earn in our own professional uh spaces but i think one of the things that we have to fundamentally start thinking about also is that we are about you know holistic gender equality so and it tends to be mostly women who take on these cases so we can't be about gender equality and, and economic empowerment of women and continuously ask women to provide free labor uh, so at some point i think we need to deal with the state and the role and the responsibility of the state in terms of how it comes to actually act and support you know, this end of uh, GBV beyond just the great speeches and the monies that are announced that we never really see trickle down to, you know, what's most important. You know, you asked earlier about how winnable these cases are mm. and that sometimes people just really don't win. One of the other reasons why these cases are difficult is because we have a backlog of over 30,000 cases that are waiting for DNA mm. testing, right? So we had a, 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 a emergency response and action plan that the president uh, instituted 
uh, for 1.6 billion rands over six months. One of the deliverables in that emergency plan was building a DNA lab in the Eastern yeah, Cape. Yeah. That plan ended in March of, of uh, 2020. The money is no longer there and there's still no lab in the Eastern Cape. What do you mean the money is not there? Onika? The money is not there. It's reprogrammed elsewhere because they did not spend oh, it I by see. I see the what period you mean. of the time. I right? see what you mean. Yeah, yeah. If it's not But, but there's not even a plan. There's not even a tender notice. There's not even site research going on of, you know, this is where the lab would be built. But this is an emergency. And we're still, I mean, so for me, I would want to start seeing our government move at the same pace they moved at COVID in terms of, of, of implementing, you know, processes and procurement. If we say that GBV is an emergency and it is critically important, then can we please just also have regulations effective immediately, the same way we saw with the other pandemics? Sure. Okay. So, so where do we go from here, Onika? Um, the hashtag, what is it hoping to achieve? What we are hoping to achieve is to really also begin to change South Africa's consciousness around what's happening with GDP. We've been fairly comfortable with expecting government to do this, private sector to donate that, this group to provide XYZ. But I think what we are hoping to achieve here is that we, it's going to take all 57 million South Africans to change this. We have to all want a brand South Africa that is about safety and freedom for everyone, including women. And so we need to change the culture that has made it acceptable for women to be abused in this country, for women to be raped and not reported. Um, you know, if you think about our rape statistics, even the 40% that's been reported, over 60% of it is children under the age of nine. Yo. So we also don't believe them. Wow. On, Onika, just stay on the line. I've got a call coming in from Anonymous in Durban. Good afternoon, Anonymous. Afternoon, sis. How are you? Oh, well, thanks. Thanks for calling. Oh, good, good. Uh, a good topic that we're having. Uh, however, uh, there's, some, there's, some, uh, there's some sentiment that does not sit well with me, especially with the sentiment that seeks to suggest that uh, public prosecutors are not so well trained or they are less skilled as opposed to uh, the private attorneys. Uh, that did not sit m- uh, with me very well, given the fact that it's a fact that NPA is understaffed. Uh, secondly, a private attorney in his cases or in his role of cases, at time you might find that he's having that one particular case that he has to deal with. But when it comes to public uh, prosecutors, in the day you'll find that he is having around about five cases to deal with. One maybe being murder, one being assault GPV, one being a rape case, so forth uh, kind of cases. Yeah, so, anonymous. I think I think you're right in one aspect. In in the framing of that was not correct. But but I think what you are also alluding to is the fact that the state is under much more pressure than a private attorney, which then the the result thereof is that the, some of these cases, um, you know, when they come before the court, they they're not fully prepared because they are under a lot of pressure. So not to say that that actual uh, individual is 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 the problem but to say that the system has not enabled that individual to 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 deliver because they are under a lot of pressure perfect that's what i wanted to, mm. to highlight mm. that let us not uh, speak only about 
the end result not being satisfactory uh, in some cases. Uh, but let us look at what contributes to that. Mm-hmm. And also to the part of uh, the, the, the recent uh, issue whereby the, 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 the victim contact numbers were shared and, and the affidavit to that effect. Uh, that, that is something that, uh, I nearly said we, but something that is being experienced on, 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 on daily basis where really some dockets or some, uh, yes, some dockets, they really, they, they really leave you with a question of our police really, really competent mm. to just, one particular thing just to take a statement. Mm. Some statement you'll assume that they were taken by a grade two student or learner, uh, because some statement really it does not tell us that uh, Pomelo drove from Sentine, drove from Sentine uh, to Captain Park. Then from Captain Park she boarded a, a cow train to O.R. Tambo. Mm-hmm. It will just say no, Pomelo just drove from Sentine and subsequently boarded a, a, a cow train to 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 O.R. Tambo. But where did Pamela board the train? Uh, board local and get into a train? It does not tell you. Then now it leaves a gap, and that may be a significant gap mm. to overdraw your case or to make your case weak. It's okay, it's okay Anonymous. I mean, I think you've let the cat out of the bag. You know, you've said we and it makes our case difficult and all of that stuff. Um, I, I think I, we definitely get where you're coming from, and, and I really appreciate your call. Thank you. Uh, Onika, so how do people contribute to this uh, to this campaign? Uh, yes, certainly. So it's on uh, our website. So mm-hmm. wise, uh, W-I-S-E, the number four, Africa with a K, mm-hmm. dot org, slash believe her. Right. And it, it basically gives you information about, you know, how to deal with victims or survivors and somebody confides in you. Because mm. I think all of us, before we go to the police, we tell someone, mm. you know? And, and, and I think as, as citizens, we need to begin to understand that we have a role also in this statistic. Mm. So one of the things we can offer to do is to accompany someone to the police station because we know how sometimes that can be so intimidating and sometimes police can just be so unprepared to deal with victim statement. We've just had an example mm-hmm. of how sometimes just even writing that statement, yeah. you may need to have a really strong person who can accompany you and be insistent with the police uh, to make sure And that, again, I mean, know, to Anonymous point, just as much as he doesn't want us to generalize about the prosecutors, mm-hmm. so we shouldn't with the police, right? No, so, no, so it's absolutely. A, yeah. Absolutely. You know, but I, 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 and I think that's where, when I say the state has to really come to party fully, uh, to play fully prepared here. We have to begin to demand competence from all of from our everybody. officers. Yeah, from um, everybody. And, you know, where we are promised that the state can do X, Y, Z, we need to begin to, to educate our citizens on how to demand that service. Mm. Onika, let's leave it there. We're going to run out of time. Onika Makwakwa is a co-director of Wise for Africa, and it is wiseforafrica.org for more information. It's one let Let's go to Zolika Kodashi for the latest in headlines.